Coming up, from the Channel 4 News Team, it's one of the biggest comedies of the 2000s. You stay classy, San Diego. It's Anchorman, and this is Most Extreme Podcast. Extreme Podcast, the show where we discuss and analyze the enigma that is 2000s pop culture. I'm Brett Ellison. I'm Jarrett Whitworth. Jonathan. Jonathan, wake up. Uh, he's asleep again. Typical. I've, I've read about this thing about where people like sleep, uh, like they can just fall asleep suddenly without any movement. Narcolepsy? Narcolepsy, yeah. I think he's got... Can you try to... Can you see if you can do something and... Jonathan. Jon- Jonathan. Jonathan. Okay, no. well, he's out for the count. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're here to talk about Anchorman, 2004 smash box office hit. I'm excited to talk about it. I hope you are. Oh, I'm very excited. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Well, we're here with our, um, our, our guest, Josh. Brian Fantana. Oh. <laughs> Brian Fantana. Oh, I know you're not Brian Fantana. You're, you're Josh Manley. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, Josh, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to have you here. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about Anchorman and just sort of uh that a little uh, bit um but i i actually want to talk about um sort of you have an interesting kind of childhood yeah and sort of how that started so so you you didn't grow up in america kind of not really okay no it's yeah so i grew up overseas mostly in actually all in eastern europe so i would have been the 70s dream spy all right and so yeah eastern <laughs> europe former yugoslavia russia and so when I was four years old, five years old, we moved to Moscow, um, okay. and then spent ten years there. My parents were missionaries there, and when I was in middle school, then we moved to Slovenia, which is former Yugoslavia, Central Europe, right at the yeah. tail end of the Alps, and then went to boarding school. Yeah, so I I saw American pop culture Jonathan. from like. Sorry, Jonathan is having a nightmare. Can you? <laughs> I saw it kind of from kind of a a little bit of a distance. So like okay. from a window looking in. So I wasn't completely there. I'd get it in doses and I'd see the reactions. And so Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. So would people when like so in Europe, I've had this happen when I'm overseas, would they project sort of what they knew about American pop culture? Oh, absolutely. To you? Okay. Absolutely. Especially because as a kid growing up in the 2000s, one of the big things was, of course, President Bush and oh, the Iraq sure. War. And I'm from Texas. President Bush is from Texas. And so when I went there, everyone's like, <laughs> you guys why? know each other? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you a cowboy, too? Why does like why does everybody from Texas want to go to war? And I was <laughs> like, uh, I'm I'm 11. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, I, I yeah. So I. We'd come back uh, for summers and for breaks and stuff uh, to America, but most of it was overseas. But yeah, people have this vision of America. And right. And most of it comes from, like, I guess, TV. Pop culture. Pop culture, mm-hmm. right, yeah. And so when you would go back, would there be something like a movie or something to come out and people would be like, Josh, you haven't oh, seen yeah. it? Yeah, all the time. Uh, going back to one of your previous uh, podcasts was Gogurt. Yeah. And so, like, I hadn't had Gogurt till I was, like, in middle school. 
And so I was like, what? I was so confused. I, cause we had really like Euro fancy, like healthy yogurt. Yeah. Like the whole, like everything you mix in the, the muesli and granola, like kind of bougie stuff. Oh yeah. And yeah that is not the same as gogurt. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that it's, was not my gogurt. Experience. It's completely different. And my dad was so surprised. He was like, have you tried this? And I was like, no. And so it's, well, it's a yogurt in a tube. And I was like, that sounds fun. Right. And so like you freeze it and stuff like that. But yeah, that was a big one. And just kind of movies. Cause I didn't grow up in like a, a nowhere. I was in Moscow. That's a pretty, yeah, they've got stuff. They got, they got, they got a lot of stuff. Restaurant. Yeah. They got, <laughs> they got some stuff going on there. Um, but yeah, so there are things I'd catch up on movies, but is there a Bass Pro Shops in Moscow? <laughs> Maybe in the future. Yeah, they don't have that, but they have just about everything else. I mean, it's it's like it's a global city. So. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's cool because I, we were talking about sort of having you on the show because I really enjoy talking to you, and I think you have a lot of expertise mm. on a lot of things. Jack of all <laughs> trades and a master of all. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so you chose Anchorman, which is interesting. Is there a reason why? Do you have a personal background with the movie? Oh man, I love this movie. I also, we're talking about before you're doing the podcast and just 2000s pop culture. And one of the big things that really sticks out to me is Will Ferrell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And for my generation, same for all of us, like Will Ferrell was like a god. Like for, mm-hmm. especially for me, he was my favorite actor. I thought he was huge. He was what I thought of a comedian. I really didn't know a lot about stand-up. I thought comedians were just like Will Ferrell. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's actually an actor. Hmm. But, um, yeah, for me, it all started with uh, Will Ferrell. Uh, my parents, yeah, we were doing a catch-up. So uh, right when DVDs were getting started, they made those SNL best-ofs. Right. And they had the best-of Will Ferrell. We bought that one and the Chris Farley. And, man, because we used to, People used to send us videotapes of like SNL and like Friends, and one of them was the Night at Roxbury, and mm-hmm. then the uh, the cheerleaders right. stuff like that with Will Ferrell, and I was like, oh, that's the guy from SNL, and right. then he started making movies. Then it's like, oh man, I love this, and so I was, it was the perfect time because I was a middle school boy, mm-hmm. and so much of that humor. And everything about that was really directed towards, I felt, me. Hmm. And so, was it just like the absurdist sort of like uh, physical humor and stuff that kind yeah, of brought to you? Okay. It was the physical humor. It was the kind of raunchy in a way. It's something that I could kind of chuckle at. And my parents were like, you got that? I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you especially see that. But the first time I saw Anchorman, it was in Slovenia with Slovene subtitles. Oh, yes. And so it was on Slovene national television. And it was the year after it came out. It was 2005, and it was an experience. I was so – I planned it out the whole week because we used to get the newspapers, mm-hmm. and it had the little clippings of when the movies were going to show. And I was like, oh, man, Monday night. You know, that's the night it's going to come on. Canal yeah. That was the Slovene channel, and I watched it with my mom, and that was an interesting experience. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. wow. And so yeah. she's actually the one that got me into kind of that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. Very cool. So, well, shout out to all our uh, Slovenian listeners, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, so, Lepa. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. It says thank you very much. Oh, what? Oh, no, I knew that. <laughs> you know, the first yeah. yeah. Well, that's so funny. That's how you watch it with subtitles the first time, uh, Slovenian subtitles, which is good. That's because that's how I actually watched this movie. The oh, first really? Time. <laughs> <laughs> 
I watched you never it. Know. Yeah, I watched it. I got a, a like a VPN for Sylvania and mm-hmm. television. Um, no, Jared, do you have a background on this movie? Yeah, uh, it was when it when it came out. I was twelve, so I was like, yeah. I mean, like we're the same yeah. age, right? So yeah. it, it was like should have been theoretically is like right in that wheelhouse but i felt like i was like a hair young i don't think i ever saw it until maybe like a couple years after it came out because the first time i watched it, i remember was in a uh, suburban one of the small screens mm. dvd player in the <laughs> yeah. suburban like on a family trip all right um and uh fast forwarded through the 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 pleated pants part but yeah. I, 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 the like pleasure town yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't think that made the cut but um no, but I mean, like you, just Will Ferrell, just with all these, like Will Ferrell and, you oh, said you had more stuff to say about it, but like Will Ferrell and Adam Sandler, who all just, they were just, just these absolute bangers, like in the, yeah. around that time. Right. Um, and I know like Elf, I, I just, I, you know, have his, have his uh, filmog- filmography. IMDb. Elf is great. Starsky and Hutch. I mean, he's just a small part in that, but like, yeah, you just, all these movies with, they have the big name, like the two or three big names that right. are like headlining. And then everyone else just keeps showing up. And yeah. this was a movie that really obviously did that to the max. <laughs> but Will Ferrell really does that. He shows up in movies. He just so shows like up. Austin Powers. He yeah. was one of the henchmen, right. like one of the evil scientists. And he's got like, I think like two Austin minutes. Third, very yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's stuff like that is he's got these little tiny like clips and, then finally gets his own movie and mm. it's yeah because to me i feel like his first well I, I guess now just looking through his filmography but i keep forgetting he's in zoolander yeah, yeah. right which came out before this got to when well, that was maybe his first i you could argue it was probably his first big that's what i'm looking yeah. it is yeah um because he's done like smaller stuff before that and then we have I mean, old, austin powers is before yeah but, like, right but that's small. i mean in terms of like a bigger role because he's the villain in zoolander yeah. but um but yeah but seeing sort of like yeah, old school, then Elf in the same year, and then we have Anchorman, where we're going to hit. But yeah, uh, Jonathan, do you have anything to say about this movie? Oh, he's he's why, he's fast asleep. All right. Um, well, this is interesting for me because I um, d- saw this for the first time uh, this week when I'd never seen this movie before. And it was one of those things that I had just sort of lived through i guess vicariously mm. just through quotes memes just like you especially know, memes right oh, yeah. yeah like ron burgundy is already everywhere and we'll talk about that i'm sure he has a up. podcast he wait really yeah there's the ron burgundy podcast wow on i think iHeartRadio. shout out to them shout out to iHeartRadio. we're on iHeartRadio. well hey, we're hey. not sponsored by them yet yeah, but hey. we'll see um <laughs> thanks for all our we'll have listeners. to get ron on then yeah, yeah. so i mean that's like it's it, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, coming up, but sort of like the cultural impact of this movie was bigger than most comedies of, it, of its time, where it's you can't go any, you know, dude's dorm room without seeing something mm-hmm. of Ron Burgundy just yeah. everywhere. And, and you can say whatever you want. You put on that voice, just, the, oh, my goodness, this was horrible. You know, right. you can just, like, put on the, you know, and say anything you want, yeah. and, like, that's a reference in a joke. Oh, know? yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, it was really cool watching this movie for the first time. And I, I will say that I feel like the parts for me that were the funniest were the stuff that I had not heard or quoted because I think the quotes are obviously are funny, but if you've heard them a million times, they're not as funny as the other stuff that you didn't know was coming. So that was what I felt was the funniest stuff for me. But yeah, should we get into it, I guess? Yeah, what were the parts that aren't as common that you thought were funny? Yeah, I think the parts that... Um, I mean, there's obviously stuff like... Um, 
um, stay classy San Diego, stuff like that, or I know I'm good looking, things like, or even just like the fight scene, the news anchor with like, why do you have a hand grenade? Things like that. Mm-hmm. You'd hurt, or, um, well, that escalated quickly. Things like that that have just been so embedded in American culture in terms of just like quoted or quotes or something that people just automatically know what you're talking YouTube about. YouTube heavy hitters. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, Absolutely. yeah, that, that's the things that I think I was less finding funny, but then going into it, I really enjoyed it. A lot. What, what, what are we talking about? It so, but I want to talk a little bit about, I guess, how this movie got made, um, because I think that's sort of an interesting story. Do you have anything on it, or you want to? Kind of not ri- not so much in that, but just kind of Will Ferrell's progression. Yeah, and so he uh, he was one of the big alums from SNL. One of those, like we said, Adam Sandler, like one of those guys. That's a generational person i think for later generations the andy sandbergs you know the chris farley's the john belushi's like those big names that then went on to do more stuff eddie murphy right bill Hader. yeah bill Hader. yeah 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 i i so i have it sort of a little bit written down this is really just from the wikipedia but so will farrell got into snl which is sort of his big break and he the same year adam mckay who is the director of Anchorman, was also hired as a writer. So mm. an actor and a writer. And they begin to work on this movie that wasn't Anchorman. It was called August Blowout, which uh, Farrell describes as like, it's basically uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, but at a car dealership. Mm. So sort of the idea of the joke being like really heavy on the wordplay, but the absurdity comes from like the situation that it's in. Um, which is interesting because Farrell's known excuse me um for being somebody who um always worked kind of alone in snl like if he was writing a sketch he would just do it alone where a lot of it's kind of partnered up so i think him and mckay kind of like found each other through sort of their love for absurdist comedy and then yeah met through doing um yeah trying to make this movie august blowout so august blowout was a script it was popular in hollywood but it never got made and um one of the readers for the script was Paul Thomas Anderson, actually, oh. uh, director of um, There Will Be Blood. Um, the Master. Yeah, and The Master. Uh, great uh, auteur films. And he was sort of the, sh- uh, the shepherd of the script and tried to like bring the pair together. Um, That's so crazy. I know, right? That's so crazy. Which is funny that later that Paul Thomas Anderson, this like Oscar-winning Daniel Day-Lewis directing uh, yeah. director, would go on to say, like, not making Anchorman was like one of the biggest mistakes of his career. <laughs> what would... What would uh, his Anchorman look like? Uh, it'd be shot really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And it would star like Adam Sandler, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they had slated this idea. And so later on, McKay said that he, they were trying to come up with a different idea for a script to maybe make that would be cheaper or something. And um, he was, uh, McKay said that uh, Will was watching this interview of the 1970s of this Anchorman. And he was talking about how sexist their whole their whole news crew was. And for some reason it just was super, super funny to him. Yeah. And so they, from that like interview, they kind of blossomed out of Anchorman. So, but yeah, the, the film was originally supposed to be centered around the reporters tracking down a clumsy yet elusive group of hippie bank robbers known as the <laughs> alarm clock. Um, and then one other weird thing that was in the first draft of the script was, a plane load of news anchors would crash into a mountain and discover that the plane they had collided was carrying monkeys and martial arts equipment, leading into a battle between cannibalistic newsmen and star-throwing orangutans. 
We need that movie. Right? We need that movie. So that it's like Anchorman, but it's but it turns into like <laughs> yeah. I can see that coming out on yeah. Netflix next year. Yeah, that I that sounds like something that you would hear for like an Indiana Jones movie on yeah. the internet and be like, that's an internet rumor. That doesn't that can't be real. Lord of the Flies Anchorman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's something that you hear and you'd go, that's not real. But in yeah, like the, the case stuff of with like the Revenant and Leo and the Bear, you're like, oh, what? Yeah. we gotta see this movie. Like, <laughs> right. what's, what's about to yeah. happen? Yeah, it sounds like a rumor that some kid on the playground at school told you like happens in the next Star Wars. And you're like, oh, that yeah. doesn't happen, yeah. but you want it to. But because it's a Will Ferrell and Adam McKay movie, you're like that probably was one of the <laughs> early drafts. They ha- so the the thing that really like stuck into place is they had Judd Apatow become the producer. Oh yeah, which at this yeah. point he'd basically only done he did some movies. I don't know if he'd have done Knocked Up yet, which was sort of his. Well, big he had grade. his TV show uh, Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks, right? Which is very different than a lot of his comedies that he yeah. makes. But yeah, having him on board sort of uh, solidified this Anchorman into coming into existence. He actually makes a cameo in the movie. Yeah, with uh, the Sex Panther um, Cologne. <laughs> yeah. I think he's one of the guys who says something like, ah, like he makes a noise and walks out of the background. Yeah. They, what is he uh, like? Uh, poop with burnt hair on it. Yeah. Is that it's the like, one he it's, says? it's a, something like a, a turd covered in burnt hair. That's or something. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So they, so kind of putting that together helped, especially build sort of the cast and the uh, crew that they needed to, uh, you know, and I'm sure a lot of us watching it, but like a lot of the small parts in this movie, like, like Fred Armisen's in it and like Seth Rogen, like, Jack Bare, Black. Like Jack Black. Like a lot of them had like barely like scratched the surface yeah, of yeah. being famous. Jack, can we get you in this movie? You're going <laughs> to ride a ro- uh, motorcycle and get hit in the face with a burrito. Does that sound good? Yeah. Punt yeah. Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think it's interesting that they kind of um, built this movie out of, um, you know, kind of taking all these pieces together. Um, which is interesting because I think having Judd Apatow involved, because I think, you know, he's probably... Um, one of the most influential, you know, people who've made comedy movies. Oh, yeah. um, and then McKay, who I think less people know about, but he's also that um, influential because if you look through McKay's sort of filmography, he the movies he's made, so Anchorman was his first movie he ever made and wrote. Um, but he's an Oscar winner too, isn't he? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so he's done a crazy amount. So right after Anchorman, the next movie he makes is Talladega Nights. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yeah, The Legend of Ricky Bobby or The Ballad, wa- excuse me. I want to go fast. <laughs> Shake and bake. And then he makes Step Brothers right after that, and then The Other Guys, and oh. Anchorman 2, and then Straight into the big short, which is very, <laughs> a, very much a, a, t- a little bit of what you would think a tangent from the rest of them. Yeah. But I've seen the big short pretty recently. I don't remember the like from the mind of Talladega Nights. <laughs> yeah, I never the saw title it. card of that. Didn't he do Veep? Uh, not Veep. Uh, the Vice. Vice. Yeah. yeah. He also did Vice, and um, yeah, not something you would <laughs> from the twisted mind of <laughs> Anchorman. Um, so, well, actually, as the days we're recording this, I think yesterday, um, Adam McKay is actually making a movie for Netflix that oh. just got announced. The cast for this movie yesterday. Um, it's a movie called Don't Look Up. It's about a pair of astro- uh, astronauts who try to warn everyone on Earth that a giant meteorite will destroy the planet in six months. The cast of this movie is Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. Timothy Chalamet. Jennifer Lawrence. Kate Blanchett. Meryl Streep. Jonah Hill. Matthew Perry. Ariana Grande. Hamish Patel. And Kid Cudi. That's huge. You have all I- these Oscars and then you get to like... Ariana Grande. And like, 
Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill was no. Jonah Hill won it. Uh, nominated. He's for an nominated Oscar. twice. Yeah. Yeah. He's I good. love Jonah Hill. Yeah. But I saw the poster for that. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like, right, a, it looks, I was like, what in the world is this? Right. It yeah. looks like, um, like, yeah, this many people would never sign up for a movie. There's yeah. another thing coming out soon. Like with the m- poster for Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> or 30 yeah. Rock Martin Luther King's Day. Yeah. <laughs> they have so many yeah. people. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's it's one of those things, but it's wow. supposed to be a comedy directed mm. by Adam McKay. So he's hitting the rinks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's crazy that his what his career has kind of turned into. Um, because I've seen The Big Short. I'm a huge fan of The Big Short. I think it's fine. Yeah. It's not my favorite movie by all means, and I've not seen Vice, but I've heard that it's pretty good. Um, I've heard that Christian Bale, who plays um Dick Cheney, is very good. In yeah. The movie. But yeah, so that's sort of how the movie came to be. Um, I'm now I want to talk about sort of like dissecting sort of like Anchorman's comedy, if that works for you guys. Sort of yeah. like what. Like, why is this movie funny? There's nothing more boring than listening to people dissecting comedy. But you know what? We're going to do it. Jokes are always better when you explain them. Yeah. You see. I've learned that. It's like that Funny People movie with Adam Sandler. Directed by Judd Apatow. Oh, yeah. Judd Apatow. He's like, oh, man, this is going to be so funny. It's like, oh, wait, this is a serious movie about comedians. Right. With a couple of jokes. Now, to be fair, I am a huge fan of the show Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Oh, yeah. I love that show. Where it's... People dissecting comedy. They do get into it, yeah. Yeah. The The Will Ferrell episode is great. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, Oh, I was going to say one thing about... Okay, so we talked about uh, Don't Look Up. Um, Oh, so Netflix, who's been doing all these crazy casts, there's a new movie coming out called Red Notice. Do you guys know about this movie? No. No. Uh, Action movie. Here's the cast, at least what I've read reading right now. The the four main leads of this movie are Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yep. Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Gal Gadot. And oh. Tom Cruise. I'm in. Wow. That's like th- four of the like What's mo- the premise? highest. Uh, it's like a spy movie. I don't know. <laughs> Top Gun. What was it called? Red Notice. Red Notice. But the, this cast is crazy. Like Netflix is spending a lot of money on getting like. That's a ton we, of movies. How can we get the biggest casts possible? Like the one you're talking about before. What was it? Don't Look Up. And yeah, then this Adam one. K, yeah. The. The budgets for the payrolls to pay these actors right. got to be. Yeah, 40, you don't think Leo's doing a, a million dollars? Yeah. Also, I have not seen a. I mean, does the Wolf of Wall Street count as a comedy? I guess not really. Scorsese. It's gonna be weird seeing him doing a comedy. Also, that yeah. they're describing it as a comedy. So mm-hmm. is it Adam McKay going back to his roots? But instead of Will Ferrell, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. Because <laughs> I'm pumped. For Leo that. is Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, were, were you looking at something? Sorry. I, I was just looking at the synopsis for Red Notice. In a world of international crime, Interpol issues a red notice, a global alert to hunt down and capture the world's most wanted art thief. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I'm watching it. I'm, is I'm it right? It. Who's the art thief? Who's, who are they putting for as the uh, art thief? Gal Gadot is the world's... Oh, I was hoping it would be Gadot. Gadot. The world's uh, greatest art thief. And Dwayne Johnson... Is of course the Interpol agent. Oh yeah. <laughs> is the poster of him uh, with a white beater and he's looking like up to the left, tucked in. Yeah, and he's got like oh, maybe yeah. one or two scars. Because that's uh, there's like some collage on like Reddit or something of like oh, ten oh, different all his movies. Yeah, these, yeah. Like these are yeah. ten different movies and the posters are all the same. <laughs> Just ripping through his shirt. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, what's it like? Nolan. All of Nolan's movies are like blue. 
like red and blue skewed or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I've seen like mashups of that. Yeah. As well. So talking about sort of the, the comedy of Anchorman, um, I watched a video by Patrick H. Willems, who's a YouTube sort of uh, guy who makes videos about film. And he was kind of describing Adam McKay's, all of his movies, as we've talked about, as sort of smart, dumb comedy. So the idea of that, all of these are very, compared to a lot of like witty type of um, comedies, this one's extremely like all about, it's, it's anarchic, it's, it's, it's absurdist. It's not grounded in any reality. All of them, like everyone's stupid and you kind of go along. So like, for example, what I thought of was like, we're watching Anchorman was uh, airplane yeah. as a movie mm-hmm. where it's like, don't take any of this seriously. Like all of this is just to be funny. And that's the point. Right. Um, well, even the beginning of the movie where it's like, this is based on true events, but uh, like everything in this movie is true. We've just changed the names, places and events. <laughs> right. So yeah. The yeah. black screen you see, that's the first you're like, okay, that's the tone. Right, right, right. What um what is the opening of uh <laughs> of Talladega Nights? It's it's like uh America is all about speed and like yeah. like kicking butt or something. Oh, Eleanor yeah. Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take <laughs> any of it seriously. Well even uh Step Brothers has that same thing about the George Bush quote about families. <laughs> it's like Family is the wings that make us fly or something. I right. can't. It's just a, and it's like an actual George Bush quote. Right. And even in, in Anchorman, like the, the, like the famous news fight scene, like that yeah. has nothing to do with the plot whatsoever that they all just fight each other, but yeah. it's just in there and you go along with it. Yeah. And like the mo- the thing that happens is that they might, this next scene, it might be like, uh, like, yeah, he killed a guy, you know, like going straight into it, but. But yeah, I think the one thing that I like about sort of Adam McKay's films and especially Anchorman is, and we're talking like, you know, Airplane is being a satirical film as well, where um, this is from Patrick Aikens Williams that he's too, was he's talking about like a lot of Hollywood comedies tend to do this thing where around like the third act, they tend to get like dramatic all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. or like they need to show like the emotional climaxes and sort of like focusing on the conflict of the movie. And then they don't do any comedy, but like Anchorman just stays funny the whole time even though you can say like there's a third there's a whole like rise and fall and then redemption arc of ron burgundy but still the whole time it's being funny yeah well even like one of my favorite comedy movies is tommy boy and it's kind of that same Mm -hmm. vein of snl alumni making a movie it's not it's not an snl movie but it's pretty much an snl movie just like this but that has like this uh, the part where like they play the sad music and the bagpipes after his dad dies, but like even the sad, like the depressing or the letdown of Ron Burgundy is still funny. Like right. you, you're laughing at his dismay. You yeah. know, it's right. And another one I thought was Hot Rod, which comes out oh, later yeah. after that. Where even though you can say like he has like the sad moments, it's still like we're gonna make you laugh the whole time because none yeah. of this matters. So, yeah, I think this movie does a really interesting job, especially because it's being satirical. We'll talk about it a little bit more of, like, sort of the the deep sort of intellectual parts of it that it talks about, especially with sexism. Um, uh, but I, I, I think the idea of setting it in the 70s is funny, that you have sort of, like, the, the fashion is already weird in yeah. the 70s, and, like, Ron's apartment is just, like, like wood oh. wallpaper. It's, like, the furniture's orange. Yeah, yeah. The, the carpet... The glass. What I love is he has the the glassed in middle of the house, uh, like forest patio. <laughs> He's got this weird garden in the middle of the house, surrounded by 
It's just one of those like it's like if you've ever seen the pictures of like Wilt Chamberlain's house, it's mm-hmm. like that. It's this absurd kind of just gross looking seventies houses. Like <laughs> it's like uh all that kind of stuff. My grandma actually kept her orange, like and yellow couches some of the seventies yeah. and like never cleaned them. So like it was disgusting looking. We mm. had to we sold it like I can't believe we actually sold yeah. it on like Facebook Marketplace not too long ago. Because somebody was like, Yeah, I'll take it. But I was like, You what? Like <laughs> this is pretty ugly. Yeah. Um get the Dustbuster out for that. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Dustbuster, our sponsor for this episode. <laughs> uh go to dustbuster.com. Um But yeah, no, this movie um as a as a as a comedy film really um I think that's probably why it stands out to me when I'm thinking of like in the decade of the 2000s, like what are like some of the top comedies for me? And then yep. this one is going to be probably near the top. Yeah. Uh, another one that came around this time also is the scary movies mm. um, into the dismay of the epic movie disaster right. movie. Um, but I think some of the original scary movies are very funny. Well, I think one thing kind of talking about the comedy of this, that really separates uh, this movie from those movies are those movies are fueled by, just popular events and so right exactly it's a complete spoof like they're talking about things that are happening then like they had the weird michael jackson thing with him holding his his kid over the window like that kind of stuff like this is this is all creative not that those aren't creative this is all new material right yeah same thing with uh i was watching the office and some of those jokes that they were doing were you know like that this is the same time but they're about that moment they're like talking about kind of girlish Justin, Justin Bieber or mm-hmm. Hillary Swank. Right. And the, it's like, yeah, that was the age as well. Right. Prerequisite humor. Definitely. Being yeah. The thing. You have to have known something or yeah, like scary movie, like the whole Tom Cruise on Oprah type yeah. situation. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think the smart thing, and even with like airplane, which is what I thought of where it's like, the only thing you really have to know is how you going to an airport and being, on yeah, board. like that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, what were you gonna say? Sorry. No, uh, same thing. It's just it's that idea of like here's a premise, and we're not gonna we're not gonna do. I think it's kind of I think it's lazy comedy to just do just pure pop culture gags. I can kind of agree with that. Yeah. And so it doesn't. It's it's really quick to get that that immediate laugh. But if you look at the movies, like think about Will Ferrell. Uh, some of his movies that kind of do that aren't as successful. I think of. Uh, Talladega Nights. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie, but that it's pretty much his George Bush impression, impersonation. Right. It's very much a comment on that era. Yeah. And it has more of that kind of the, um, the American idiot type thing, mm-hmm. the green day, kind of like the, the rednecks in the white house. Sure. And it's not really floating in with just kind of a creative new material. It's, it's kind of getting fed to you. And that's why I think there are some really funny moments, but the funniest moments in Talladega Nights aren't the ones that are like George Bush moments. Hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, he's on fire. It's like, he's not really on fire. Or let's cut to yeah. an Applebee's commercial. Or, I like yeah. when yeah. they're in an Applebee's. Yeah. yeah. And and just get kicked out. Dad's complaining. I got found a whole rat in my cob salad. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or yeah. the baby Jesus prayer. Yeah. 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 Things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can agree with that for sure. I mean, it's, I mean, it might just be so easy for him because he played Bush on SNL. Yeah. And so he does already a good job of that. But yeah, so I guess going, kind of transitioning us into talking about Will Ferrell as a movie star, I think a lot of people would probably argue that like, I guess old school or really elf was the one that like 
okay, now yeah. he's at this part, which I guess was Anchorman was being filmed around that time. But once Anchorman came out, it felt like, even though it, not all of them are, like, you know, good movies, but at least all of them were commercially successful. Yeah. Were you, do you still have his IMDb page up? Uh, well, I can pull it up. The bit. first one he kind of starred in, not like, he co-starred in it was Nine at the Roxbury. Which okay, was, yeah. That's an SNL movie. Just, yeah, direct, based, yeah, direct from that skit. Yeah, and that was, he, he didn't have like one of those little short five-minute roles. He was the co, he was co-stars. Right, yeah. And I, I can't remember. It's, but yeah, it's one of those movies, but that, that was kind of a flop because it's, this is a funny bit, but then to make it an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have like, it shows up in like, so, um, like kicking and screaming, which I think yeah. is really funny. And then we'll be, which is not that good. He's in the producers, uh, Talgot and nice stranger than fiction. I think is a lot of people like love that movie. Very classic. And then blades of glory with John Hedder, um, mm-hmm. from Napoleon dynamites. And then you have like, and then semi pro, um, <laughs> like all these movies that yeah, Semi Pro is pretty good. I like Semi Pro is yeah. funny. I mean, not all of them we would say are like golden, but you know, right. all of them at least you know made money because I think just seeing him in a commercial for it was already like okay, I'm in because I know what to expect because yeah. he's gonna go crazy. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be the lovable idiot. He's gonna be insane. I think so. the mo- the role that really kind of where you see Will Ferrell kind of like okay, this guy is funny is him as Frank in Old School. Okay, yeah. So yeah. Elf is kind of his first like big by himself, but I think old school is that movie where he's the first this is the first time we say, Okay, yeah. Will Ferrell's really funny. That's he's, what really launched. Yeah, he stole sure. that movie. Yeah. That's what most people remember from him. Yeah. Is screaming, We're going streaking. Yeah, we're going streaking. Frank the tank. You know, right. he stole it. Right. Now, for me, I think the first movie I ever saw him was Elf. Yeah. And the stuff in that movie is hilarious, where, oh, yeah. which we'll talk about, uh, sure, with, like, some of the comedy in this movie being improv, where mm-hmm. a lot of, like, when first going to New York is they literally just ask people on the street of New York, like, hey, you want $100 to be in this movie? And so he just, they didn't know what to expect, and he just, like, ran into them and just acted crazy. So a lot of it was just him running in front of a taxi or jumping on a Christmas tree or something and just being ridiculous. Here's a question to you guys. Was... Was your first Will Ferrell exposure from SNL or from a movie? It was from Elf for me. Elf. We had that same, gosh, it, it might have been Elf, but we had that same SNL DVD. Best yeah. of. And so I remember watching that all the time. Yeah. So I think it was probably that DVD. Okay. If not Elf or, I don't know, I guess maybe the, uh, maybe his like little bit in, um, Austin Powers. That might yeah. have been like the, the first thing I ever saw him in. Right. But at that point had you had recognized him? I probably wouldn't have gone, Oh, that's Will Ferrell. Yeah. No, right. I don't I don't know if I would have been there, but Well, the interesting thing to me is that he was such a bankable star in the two thousands, but I wanna say like I mean, as much as I love Will Ferrell, I feel like a lot of his movies, at least in the twenty tens, had as kind of like as died down in terms of is he as bankable? Are they as funny, you know? He's done a, a lot of it. Is is it because he's doing the same thing, or I'm not sure? Because I'm thinking movies like Get Hard, or yeah. when I was in Los Angeles, I was on Hollywood Boulevard as the premiere for The House was happening. So it's a movie about like him and Amy Poehler, who um, like have an underground casino. I Guess what? was in L.A. walking down Hollywood Boulevard as he was like getting his star. Oh, on, wow. what? Yeah, we were like across the street, and you could see like from afar, it was him and John C. Riley were standing there. <laughs> so I just saw, you know, he's That's like awesome. six 
a billion. Like he's a real right. tall guy. Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah, you don't realize how big. Yeah, he's like so he was he's like standing. You could see him even from like the other side, and you know his curly hair. Jonathan, yeah. you okay? Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Does narcolepsy have anything about hairballs? I don't know about that. Maybe if you also snore. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Like well, sucking in your hair. Another thing about Wilfred is that I've, from all accounts that I've known from people who've worked in the in the business and everything, it's that he's extremely nice in real life. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the easiest people to work with and that everyone doesn't have anything bad to say about Will Ferrell. So I think that's another reason why he's easy to produce. And he produces a lot of his own stuff. You know, he was one of the founders of Funny or Die. Yeah. So, you know, he's been able to do a lot of stuff. If you go to IMDb, the first thing that happens is his list of producing credits rather than his acting credits. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, I like some, like, the Daddy's Home movies are pretty funny. Um, but I don't think they're as original as something as, like, Anchorman. The um, Other Guys is a good one from that kind of two. 2010s right That's, yeah but it, uh, it's it's more of instead of him and john c Riley, it's him, it's and, him mark and, Wahlberg. and mark Wahlberg. right yeah because they're all in those movies together but he shifts his character from being kind of the the like bumbling idiot party guy to being the almost effeminate right the very overly yeah. level-headed yeah. right right so that mark but then Wahlberg, you realize he's covering up for his past of of being yeah. wild and crazy. Right, which is so Mark Wahlberg can play the straight guy yeah. in, in the movie where he yeah. accidentally shot Derek Jeter, is that correct? <laughs> yeah, the, the Yankee Clipper is what they <laughs> call shot him. shot A-Rod! <laughs> and then I didn't realize actually, because I think it's like a, um, you know, you get like people playing like online games or, you know, like uh, st- Twitch streamers and stuff now, they, they like accidentally shoot. They call right. it like a despot. Is that from the other guys? Yeah, that's they from the other guys. Okay, I didn't, really? I didn't make the yeah. connection that that term in like Fortnite streaming was from the other guys. You've never had you, a despot? You've never done a despot? November no. <laughs> 2007. Yeah. <laughs> Captain, I had my first despot. What are you doing? <laughs> Gives them the wooden gun. The wooden that's gun. A, oh, I mean, there's just hit after hit. Yeah. Even with right. some misses, he's got hit after hit. It's, right. it's way outweigh the lows. Right, mm-hmm. and that's the thing, is that I feel like, even though I could say, like, you made, like, a Holmes and Watson movie that made yeah. no money. Land like of that. the Lost. Yeah, Land of the Lost, Get Hard, as we mentioned. Like, all these movies that, like, aren't big, but, like, anybody, you talk to anyone in America, they, they immediately know Will Ferrell, and they have yeah. something good to say about him. And I think, you know, same thing for Adam Sandler, who had so many good ones in a row, oh, yeah. so many, like, absolute home runs and then it's just like it doesn't really matter if he makes like jack and jill anymore or mm. like a thousand netflix movies a year oh it's just yeah. like we all we all get it we know adam sandler now he just gets to like make a movie in hawaii with his family and it's like oh yeah he doesn't need to make uncut gems no. <laughs> yeah was well, I, I was complete that was kind of his one-upping uh stranger than fiction sure doing punch drug love yeah or like doing like yeah adam sandler i think a lot of people would say like I don't like his comedies, but his dramas are really good. Mm. Yeah. His uh, Uncut Gems, that movie, that's the, one of the most, like... Anxiety. Anxiety. I just felt the tension in the movie theater. Have you seen it? Myself. I haven't seen it. I started watching it, I think, while I was, like, cooking dinner or something. Yeah. The first scene is, like, live footage of a colonoscopy or something. I was like, you know what, I'm- I'm just gonna keep just gonna watching, keep watching, but it's it's very good. <laughs> I am no, I, I was just like I, I need to really settle into that. Yeah, yeah, everything. Well, who was it, the Safari brother? What are they called? Oh, Safty, the Safty yeah. brothers. Yeah, they're that was a trippy movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the I, second time I saw it, I liked it a lot. They also their other movie, uh, Good Time, which mm-hmm. I, I think is way better. That's just 
my opinion, but with Rob Pattinson, watch that one. Anyway, yeah, this man. is a Will Ferrell podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to talk sort of about sort of the rest of the cast in a way. Because um, I feel like the rest of the news crew, so you have like Paul Rudd, oh. uh, Steve Carell, uh, Dave, what's his name? Um, oh, remember. Dave Keckner. Yeah, to Keckner, I can't remember it. Yeah. Which is interesting because he sort of kind of always plays the same annoying, perverted, he, yeah. like cynical uh, bully. But everything I've heard in real life is that he's like the complete opposite. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Even on The Office, his character, Packer, very similar. is very similar to Champ. Right. And I'm trying to think of, he's, but I don't think he's ever had his own movie. He's one of those, uh, like, support guys. He's one of the right. best support guys. Right, exactly. And he's made a living doing it, and yeah. he's still getting work, and I think he's, he enjoys it as well. But I like that so much of it is improv that they're doing together. Like, they're given, like, an outline of, like, okay, so this needs to happen in this scene, but you guys can mm-hmm. kind of do what you want, which is cool watching this movie and that they were outtakes in the credits, which is something that I is dearly missed to me in yeah. all movies. Like the last one I think I saw that did, it was like central intelligence with Kevin Hart and the <laughs> rock that had out bloopers. But it's like one of those things that's just such, you know, it's the cherry on top of the movie. Right. You're yeah. walking out of the theater. It gives you, you know, some type of, you know, glee and happiness as you're walking out the original reason to stay during credits yeah not just waiting for the next cut scene for marvel exactly yeah and it's even better with stuff like pixar where it's an animated movie but they still made bloopers that don't exist oh my gosh so i miss that era of films yeah um Mm. but monsters inc yeah like monsters Monsters inc Inc. like we're we're gonna show a slate but there was no slate this is animated yeah um but yeah, stuff like when like all of his like exclamations of stuff like "Oh, great, Odin's Raven!" like all that stuff is yeah. all Beard improv. Beard is <laughs> sweet Lincoln's mullet. <laughs> things, things like that are just so funny to me that all that was and like a lot of um, Steve Carell's character just being completely like improv, basically. So this came out in '04. Would The Office start? Did it start in like 2000? When did The Office start? Oh, two, the U- three, or four? The U.S. Office. Yeah. yeah. Um, it started, people are, who already know this, 2005. So this was, this was before Steve Carell, like, made it on The Office then. So yeah. he was still, yeah. like, a relative unknown at this point. Yeah, and I think, had the 40-year-old version already come out? No, not yet. No, that was, like, no. season two or three of The Office. Right, because I, I think, I remember that. that The Office had come out, mm-hmm. and the NBC was unsure if they wanted to keep it or not, but then mm-hmm. the 40-year-old version came out, and people oh, had yeah. went yeah. to see it because of The Office, and then they were like, okay, so I think we have something here. Yeah. And so that was a big part, which I think he also co-wrote. Another Apatow. Like Another one of, Apatow, I, mm-hmm. yeah. Probably one of my favorite Apatows. Yeah, it's great. It's very funny. Um, old school's my... No, old school. Why did I say that? Uh, oh my, uh, Superbad is my favorite. Did Apatow. he direct it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah he, he directed, directed wrote Superbad it. is great. But kind of going off of these, talking about the cast, uh, what I talked about a little bit earlier, is there's these generational actors. Yeah. And so... I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term, like, the Rat Pack or the Brat Pack. I barely know it, but yeah. So I remember seeing this when I was in high school. It was a breakdown of these movies. And some somebody had made a flow chart of all of what they called the Frat Pack, which is a playoff of old the school. original. Yeah, old school, okay. which is a playoff of the original Rat Pack, which was um frank sinatra Mm, um sammy davis jr you know those movies they were the rat pack together dean martin oceans 11 the first one yeah Yeah. oceans 11 and then uh in the 80s they had the second wave with the brat pack 
you know, Molly Ringwald, mm-hmm. 16 Candles. Sort of the John Hughes. Yeah, John Hughes movie. movies. This is kind of the next 20 years, because it kind of is like a 20, 30-year deal. Mm-hmm. You see what they call the frat pack, mm-hmm. which consists of these, pretty much everyone is in this except for one, Owen Wilson. And yeah. so they're all in this movie. So the frat pack, the ones you think of are, Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. he's in this. He's the Spanish language news anchor. Yeah. It's one of the best. Just that whole bit is there. And then Luke Wilson's there. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, they were, uh, Luke Wilson was in old school with him. Right. He was definitely way more, I think, of like yeah. in the more comedic stuff around that time. Yeah. Vince Vaughn was there. Um, he's a part of the frat pack. He's had a very interesting career. Oh, yeah. Love Vince Vaughn. Love Vince Vaughn. But the fact that he's also done like, didn't he do, uh, what was that Mel Gibson movie with Andrew Garfield? That, like, oh, yeah, Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, yeah, he's oh, done, wow. yeah, he's just, he's like, got, he's shown, it, True he, Detective. He was, he was not oh, the yeah. worst part of True Detective season two. I never okay. saw but season two. He did pretty two. good. No, uh, yeah. I saw parts of season three. I, the first one's phenomenal. First one's phenomenal. I like the third one a lot. Yeah. Too. The third one was very good. With, yeah. Uh, shout out to, uh, Carrie Joji Fukunawa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic absolutely. director, yeah, he, and yeah. uh, hope to have you on soon. Mm. <laughs> but going back to that frat pack, there's those movies <laughs> together. So like Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. are and Will Ferrell are in Wedding Crashers. Right. Old school is Vince Vaughn, Luke Wilson, and Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of they all kind of are in each other's movies, and you have people that are loosely affiliated. And then Seth Rogen kind of stems down, right. and then. Uh, same thing with Jonah Hill. They kind of create these new things to where, like, but it was a whole, like, genre. Like, all of these guys were in this, these movies together. John C. Riley, Right. And so they were these Adam McKay, Judd Apatow, pretty much aimed at frat bros. Right. And it's these kind of those characters. And it's I just think that's really interesting how they have that term for, like, oh, the Rat Pack the brat pack right and then now the frat pack of these lovable losers like think about old school it's this oh we're a fraternity for people that are not can't can't pledge a real fraternity because we're not students <laughs> right we're old <laughs> so it's yeah yeah. Who's the current the splat pack? I don't know. I'm just making a the splat. It's probably yeah. just be like the Nickelodeon. <laughs> the be Logan, all the Logan Paul. Mm. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> Comedy, comedy, what's happened to it? Yeah, that's another thing, too. I was talking about this with a friend at work is after the 2000s, a lot of these comedies kind of just stop. Right. Mm-hmm. They stop making these types of movies. You probably get one good comedy a year. Yeah. And Nothing maybe, has really maybe. captured this same sort of feel of... What was the like, last one like that you saw that was like, oh, wow, that's a funny movie? So normally... Every that's a pure year, comedy. Right. And normally every year I'll see a movie that I'll be like, that was the one comedy of the year. Mm-hmm. So like 2018 was Game Night for me. Okay. So it's J- Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. And it's the whole play of like um, like people who do more like a role-playing game night, but then it gets out of control. It's very, very funny. Jesse Plemons is really good in it um and then book smart which is sort of like yeah. the female or more more like a gen z version of super bad mm-hmm. which i related to way more and was probably my favorite movie of 2019 sorry parasite um yeah <laughs> but um yeah no it, where it's very similar to that but it's like just jokes after jokes but it's got some emotional heart too as well kind of going off of that too for me for 29 i guess it was 2019 it was jojo rabbit 
Yeah. See, that's a funny movie, but it's it's not like these. It's a it's a satire. Right. It's, so a, it's a satire. Com, it's a dark comedy, a black yeah. comedy, but like you don't see those movies too much and if they do they're not as successful as they used to be uh like watson and holmes nowhere near old school right and and my question is is it more like this just our is american audiences just not interested in that anymore because we have like vine youtube things like that marvel and like that's just not something or is it just that we're not making and like producing the same copies it's probably a mixture because all of adam mckinney's movies have some type of like message to it that you know take it and relieve it but i think Ingerman does a really good job of sort of uh, satirizing sexism especially of like the 70s and 80s on that time because it was very prevalent in the newsrooms from everything that i've read through yeah. research but also it does it in a way that it's like it's making you laugh but like you know but the behind every joke is the truth type thing which mm-hmm. i think is really interesting because first of all the characters are super stupid so you're not supposed to take any of it seriously. Right. But, yeah. that, that's my point is none of these characters, no one's watching this movie and aspiring to be any of these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like take take these people, like make a sort of a mockery of them and then like also put in this is what they were like. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that is a stupid way to think. I like yeah. how they do it from both sides, too, because even uh, Veronica Cornerstone, she's like power. Like when she's about ready to go on the news. Like, instead of her warm-up thing, she's saying power. <laughs> and so it's like, they're yeah. even kind of this, the woman who wants to succeed at any cost. Sure. Same. But, I mean, she also yeah. has an inner monologue pretty early on where she talks about, oh, like, yeah. the crap that she has to go through yeah. in order mm-hmm. to do this. And she's like, I like, every newsroom is the same I've ever worked yeah. in. It's nothing. And I have to work, I have to deal with, you know, men yeah. drooling over me and just acting stupid. Yeah. Um, but also, they kind of set it up early on with, like, the party at the beginning, mm-hmm. where they're like, we've had the same party for 12 years. It's not, it's not lonely or depressing at all, like, and showing, like, that they're all just really lonely, depressing people. Yeah. So that when um, Veronica shows up and all the guys are ooing over her and acting perverted, is um, it's it shouldn't come off as much of a surprise. And... Um, the way that and the way that she deals with it, too, of being like, like, no, I'm here for my job, period. Um adds to some of the comedy, but also is definitely getting the point across, which is interesting. Yeah, same thing there. You think about uh, when they're introducing the news team, uh, Brian Fantana's thing is about, you know, his genitals. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's with a woman around his arm. And then Champ saying the same thing, you know, these junk, these drunken, sexist uh, escapades. Right, you know. exactly, yeah. But also, I think it's interesting um, because... Um, when, after uh, Ron and, and Veronica fall in love, um, Ron tries to explain it. Like, I fall yeah. in love and we are dating. And they can't comprehend that. So they have to sing afternoon delay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, like, yeah. So it's like they just don't get it. Like, what do you mean? It's not just sex, which I think is really interesting. And that helps you also get the point across that it's like what – what their whole deal is. They've really just been one track minded. Right. Yeah. As many men have been for, you know, years. Um, but I've been watching the boys on Amazon. Yeah. Um, which is a very good show. Definitely check it out. Uh, get ready for a lot of gore. Um, That's what I've heard. That's the um, only thing I know about it. Yeah. Um, but it does a very good job of in a very mature way, sort of talking about like, you know, here we are 2020 look at all the changes we've made in society, but it's like, have we with, you know, sexual harassment and just people in power basically using their status to abuse the people below them? Yeah. And it's like, 
is that this, this human nature or is it going to be something, you know, that, um, that we can actually, you know, make a stance on, but I think it's interesting. Well, first of all, I find it funny that the reason Veronica falls in love with him is not because of anything he did, but only because he played the flute. Yeah. And then she's like, Oh, I'm in love with this man, which yeah. is pretty funny to me. But, um, I love how he goes head over heels. Right. And to he doesn't where, know how to act. He just like, says like, maybe we should get on sometime. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know how to do that. Uh, he's, he yells it in the office and then he's like we're trying this new thing yogging <laughs> and it's all of these like funny things where he's like we're in love <laughs> and it's yeah. like it was a one night stand with a co-worker right which uh kind of in this this is almost the same side as a it's I'm trying to think of expression so mm-hmm. it's the it's the same side no it's a different side of the same coin yeah with mm-hmm. Mad Men. I don't know if you guys oh, ever right. seen Mad, Mad Men, Men where the whole show is so, very sexist. Yeah. Yeah. It's the 1960s advertising. So another super sexist and they, it gets into the seventies, but it's another super sexist thing. But instead of it being, Oh man, wouldn't it be great to go back to that time? Mm-hmm. Uh, Anchorman really spoofs it instead of kind of romanticizing, but also harshly criticizing it too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that, and that's one thing that it has the staying yeah. power of Anchorman. Yeah. Um, but I also find it funny that, you know, Veronica, they bully her because yeah. they're intimidated by her right. because she's so good, she's at, her really job. good at her job. Yeah. And, and so that she gets back with them with a teleprompter and making <laughs> and Ron lose his job <laughs> yeah. and making him go bad. But then he get like admits to her, like at the zoo, like I was intimidated by you, you know, and you're and but you know, but she still sees, why why ron's good at his job and so that's part of why well they both have the same goal they both want to be a network anchor and that's sort of something Mm -hmm. they share yeah Yeah. he's like i thought it was funny i i laughed about it at home as he can't in his mind he can't get past this idea of she's this first lady anchor right and uh but they have the exact same goals and they want and they'll do whatever it takes because he's he's very proud to be number one right Exactly. And number one news team, Ron Burgundy. I'm kind of a big deal. Right. And he has to let everybody know how good looking he is at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because actually I was reading that Will Ferrell actually went to school for journalism and did mm. news anchoring before he did comedy. Wow. So, mm. And he actually knows how to play the flute. <laughs> wow. Method actor. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much of that news slot was playing. <laughs> Years in preparation. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I, I think... The movie does a good job by setting it itself in the 1970s, and that kind of, um, sh- you know, shows that like yes, this is exactly what it was in the 70s. But is this still true today? Yeah. Like, um, and that's part of what makes it good as a satire, I think. Um, but yeah, I, does Anchorman condone this kind of behavior in the workplace? I think, but by showing how pathetic the men are, just implies that they're just poking fun at the men who see, um you know, women's bodies as, you know, something to be owned or something to, it's a goal. Um, rather than, um, you know, more rather than being funny than, you know, showing how stupid these people are than being, you know, giving it like a thumbs up, like, yeah, this is a good thing we should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it doesn't just, it's not just the, uh, women. It's also the, uh, the diversity. Cause in the movie, they're like, Diversity is an old, old wooden Civil War ship. <laughs> right. They and don't even know what it means. They don't even know. It, but if you look at it, not to make it a racial deal, it's all pretty much all white cast. Right. Exactly. It is. 
I mean, that's in what, the, that's what the, um, the second one is about, more about race, yeah. correct? Yeah. I and so seen it. this addresses the kind of feminism first, and the next one addresses more of the race and those type of deals. But, like, you know, the 70s, it's, in, it's, it's interesting to see because this, this boys' club and that comment about diversity, the network execs are trying to promote exact, uh, diversity. And I think that's something that we can really see today and it's like, oh, wow, those were back in the days where, like, we've come so far, but we still have a long way to go. But, yeah, sort of to, to kind of end things off, sort of about, like, Anchorman staying power, I think, is super interesting because it's obviously one of those quotable movies of the 2000s. Absolutely. I mean, if you yeah. go, if you start quoting it, then everyone else is going to start quoting mm-hmm. Anchorman. That's, um, yeah, when you have whole conversations in a dorm room, that's just lines from other movies. Yeah. You're right. not even that really, poor like, kid who doesn't know. Yeah, well, yeah, you feel yeah. bad for that. <laughs> no one's that generating new content. You're just saying the lines back and forth. Yeah. This was, yeah, one of those perfect movies for that. For sure. It was a way to kind of signal to other dudes, like, hey, we can kind of be friends. We both like this, uh, this movie. And then, oh, they probably like the same things. And it's like, oh, my whole relationship is built on just quoting Anchorman to this guy. So I have, a, <laughs> I have a few friends that that's how we started out. Was, I was going to say, this sounds kind of like you yeah. You know people like this. Wow. Yeah, I a couple of movies that were this, this in old school where, I, and then if, if there wasn't, if there's someone on the hall or any dorm that hadn't seen it, we'd all get together mm. and get it, have them watch it with us. And right. Then, but it's also a weird experience because we're quoting it the whole time. And so some people didn't enjoy that, but other people uh, really... It, kind of hits home it's just uh the going back to what you said about staying power it i think this is the advantage of having a movie that is new material um it's something that you can relate to outside of time and then being set in the 70s really helps it because you watch some of these older movies like oh wow look at that look at what they're wearing mm-hmm. but it's like okay we know the 70s are gonna be kind of yeah. wacky and it's like oh wow look at that cell phone it's like, no, like you know the 70s are going to be, okay, you know what you're getting, some bell bottoms and those, <laughs> those crazy suits. Right. There's something kind of fun about it, though, yeah. too. It's like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just dress up, but it's goofy, you know? Um, But yeah, I think, you know, I I don't live too far away from UNC Chapel Hill, shout out, but um, they always have like a movie, like a poster sale, you know, for dorm rooms. Mm-hmm. And I would go, even when I wasn't in school, just but by going... And underneath the the post office, and they would have a huge sale. And almost every time, I would see so many people walking out with uh, posters from uh, Anchorman. Like it was just like everyone yeah. wanted that poster, the one with him at the news desk where he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, or just a picture of him saying "Say Classy San Diego" Stay or something. San Diego, yeah. yeah, so it's like that's just part of its staying power, and that you know this movie is jokes, and what's that's what's best about and. um I kind of wish more modern studio comedies were yeah. like this. You know, it's truly a side ten, a side of uh, a sign of an era. Excuse me, but yeah, I really I think it's, um, yeah, definitely the thing that started his career into being who we know him as today. I think another staying power thing that we talked about before was the memes. Right, there's yeah. so yeah, many memes from this. Uh, the him blowing the. Um, what do you call it? the shell news team assemble yeah. mm-hmm. the stay classy that escalated quickly yeah that yeah, escalated right. quickly yeah, it's the, I'm in a glass case of emotion there's so many memes right and it's... so yeah and and even just um 
just like the like brick as like a meme basically oh, yeah. yeah like him like i don't know why we're yelling about things like that right. I love loud all noises the time. Yeah. right yeah you can just say i love something lamp yeah i love lamp i love yeah, yeah. um uh, i you, love okay, podcasts i want to share Pants party um <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to share the summer of 2004 when this movie came out and sort of yeah. the movies. This is from Box Office Mojo, but the, the top movies of the summer in. Um, uh, so this is summer 2004. This is the top. Um, this is the top 15 movies. Um, starting from number 15 was The Notebook. Uh, wow. 14 was Anchorman. Oh, wow. Made a total of $84 million, which today would be considered a bomb. But, yeah, it like wouldn't even be. Yeah, made but right. made tons. Of but money. kind of going back to the staying power, I think having it on DVD, that's it. Really one, yeah. spiked from the DVD and then the cable, like it being oh, sure. uh, a rewatchable cable movie. Mm-hmm. It's on like Definitely. Comedy Central. It's on all that. So that's how a lot yeah. of people. But um, we're, we're two for two so far. Okay. Yeah, the Notebook and okay. Anchorman. Thirteen, The Princess of Diaries two, Royal oh. Engagement. What you don't like that? No, movie? I do, but oh. it's hard to believe that that. I mean, it's a it's that c- sign of an era. It's like wow that 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 movie beat out Anchorman yeah in... um by only three million dollars wow um no two excuse me I'm sorry two, two million dollars it's also Disney film Chris Pine's first movie and um, really yeah and also um and you know it's got a more family focus than, Julie Andrews yeah, or and Anne Hathaway bigger audience for uh twelve Collateral mm. eleven The Village wow ten Dodgeball Oh wow! Yes. Nine Fahrenheit nine eleven. Eight Van Helsing. Seven Troy. Six I Robot. Five The Born Supremacy. Four The Day After Tomorrow. Three Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. What? Two Spider Man two. Oh, one wow. Shrek two. Is what that the a... best summer of movies of all time? Isn't that that's... like that's you have a fifteen movies right there wow. that I would totally all see in yeah. theaters. Well, I think yeah. it's interesting is that Dodgeball beat out Anchorman. Yeah, I but, think it had been around a little bit longer. Yeah, and also like two iconic comedies from that time. Yeah, they're it both came out the same like summer. You know. Yeah, they're both. Uh, Vince Vaughn is in both of those movies, but Anchorman has had the bigger cultural effect. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Dodgeball came out on June eighteenth, two thousand four, and Anchorman came out on July 9th, two thousand four. So mm-hmm. you get some extra time to, yeah. to make up the summer. Yeah. But yeah, that's for real. Those are fifteen like solid, right? Yeah, solid to great. Movies. So Harry Potter's year too, yeah. right? Well, yeah. So th- that's just that's all I have on Anchorman. Unless you guys have anything else to add? Okay, awesome. Well, Josh, you are a guest on our show, and so for all our guests, you we do get a prize. <laughs> And I was trying to think of other things. A burrito. A, burrito. Oh, <laughs> We're throw a very face. Fi- filling burrito with um, a side of milk. No, so I uh, <laughs> was trying to think of San Diego, and I was trying to think of a what burrito. I could find <laughs> that would be good. Um, Tacos. Un- and so I was trying to think of like other San Diego legends. So what I have for you is um, San Diego Padres uh, champion, uh, oh, wow. Tony Gwynn. I have a bobblehead of Tony Gwynn <laughs> from the San Diego oh, wow. Padres. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. I actually wow. don't have it with me because yeah. it's still in the mail, but I will get <laughs> oh, a picture wow. of you with it. Um, but So it's on the way. It should be here tomorrow. I'll find a way to give it to you, but it's a Tony Gwynn bobblehead. That's incredible. Let's go Padres, right? Maybe the yeah. only time they've ever been good. Um, <laughs> they all. I think they did make the playoffs this year, but they lost. Okay, gotcha. They're out of it. Well, awesome. 
So thanks again for coming on the show. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, it's we'll have great. to have you back. But um, and I'll find a way to get this bobblehead to you, and we'll post it on our Instagram, uh, which is and Twitter, which is uh, at Most Extreme Pod. And if you have any questions, please um, email us at Most Extreme Podcast at gmail.com. Anyways, thanks for listening.